Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Father, I thank You that it is absolute truth and that we can uh, bank and bet our lives on it and that it works every time that we apply it. And Father, I thank You for uh, the anointing. I thank You for giving me utterance. Father, we set our faith in agreement to hear from You today and I thank You for giving each individual exactly what they need to hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Alright, Zoe, the Life of God, Part 16. Uh, go to the first one. Here we go. First John 5 and verse 11. This is our jumping off scripture. It says this, and this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So we know that God's already given it to us. It's our gift. What we do with it, now that He's given it to us, is up to us, right? Yep. Okay. We saw that there's three different kind of Greek words for life in the, uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament. And if, you're not, if you don't know uh, when you're reading your English Bible that there is three words, it could get confusing. Because how many know where it said that uh, when Jesus said, uh, greater love has no man who lays down his life for his friends, if zoe, the Greek word zoe that we're studying is the life of God, and it's instantly and constantly renewed, how you know you can't die? So Jesus couldn't have been talking about zoe when he was talking about laying down his life for his friends. Could he? No, so what he was talking about was suke, which was his soul, mind, will, and emotions, and that's immortal. That can't die either, but it sure can end up in the wrong place. And that's what Jesus did. He laid that down and went into hell for us so that we don't have to. And bios, the third one, is natural life. That's your body. Well, you can lay that one down anytime you want to. Couldn't you? It's very t- It's easy to lay that one down. In fact, there's a lot of, when I was at the sheriff's office, a lot of calls I would get were suicide attempts where people were trying to lay down their life. Their bios. Why? Because their suke was a mess. Okay, go to the next one. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 10 said this, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. So we should walk around physically, having in our body, realizing that everything we do is because the Lord Jesus died. Why? So that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So it's not anything that we did, it's what Jesus did that gives us the key, the entrance to having that same life that Jesus had in our body, but it said it might be made manifest or it might not be. So most Christians live in might not. We're trying to get out of that and get into the might category. Go to the next one. Now, we've been studying over in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. It says this, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the what? Knowledge, Knowledge of, Jesus, of God and of Jesus our Lord. So if you want favor in your life and you want peace in your life, it, it comes multiplied to you through what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Now, Doug said I could tell this, so I'm going to. This week, Doug uh, was, uh, I'm not going to say where, but he, he's a drug rep, okay? So he got... He went and took a doctor to lunch this week, and his doctor brought another quote, quote, doctor, which isn't a doctor, but wanted the free lunch, right? So they ordered the sur- lobster, surf, and turf, or whatever. And, and, and so they're lying right out the, okay? We, we, everybody knows that, because the guy was not a doctor, the other guy. So he's getting a free lunch. And so they whip out their Bibles, and now they're going to try and convert Doug while they're stealing from him. Because it's fake doctor, fake, you know, they're getting the free lunch. And now they're going to see if he's going to hell or not. Now, Doug said, you know, like even three months ago, he might have been like, oh, here we go, or whatever, you know. But, you know what? Because Doug has been listening to a lot of CDs, like I think I made 50 for him, and he's been through them like twice in the last, like, month. And he's been coming here for quite a while now. He increased his knowledge. So, you know what? His peace at lunch was greatly multiplied. So, you know what? It started coming out of him, and this was great because now it built his confidence. When they would say something, he's like, no, that ain't right. No, you see, you know, I know what you're talking about being saved, but I'm born again. You know, there's a difference between being saved and born again. So now, he's, and he goes, you know, there's three different kinds of life. And there's four different kinds of love. And he just starts preaching to these guys. Well, he said, and then pretty soon they just changed the subject. You want to tell us about your product? Right? But you see, all he did, the only thing he did, and I asked him, I said, well, what, what, what made the difference? The only thing he did is increase his knowledge. He didn't do anything else but increase his knowledge. He didn't have to do mental gymnastics or, you know, have incense burnt and stuff sprinkled on him and hands laid on him and handling snakes or any of that. All he did is increase his knowledge. And it brought peace. And I mean, no, there's grace that went involved in that because all of a sudden the gift that was on the inside of him started coming out just automatically. Okay, so if you want grace and peace multiplied to you, just increase your knowledge. All right, go to the next one. Verse 3 says, According to His divine, or the Godhead's power, that's all the power of the 
Father, all the power of the Son, all the power of the Holy Ghost. He has given unto us all things that pertain to life, Zoe, and godliness being just like Him through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature or be equal partners with the Godhead, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. And besides this, besides these great promises, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance, and temperance patience, and patience godliness, and godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity or agape, which is love. Go to the next one. For if these nine things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these nine things is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You'll forget that, yeah, God don't hold that against me anymore. You'll forget that, hey, wait a minute, I'm an equal partner with the Godhead. You'll forget in a half a heartbeat. You ever been out in the middle of real life real time, and you start getting squeezed? You forget this stuff pretty quick. Hell will tell you a lie real fast. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give all diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall, fail, or stumble. For thus, through these nine things, shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal or perpetual kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I keep saying this, but I mean, you know, inside the kingdom where Jesus is ruling, I mean, there isn't any problems in there. There's no poverty in there. There's no lack in there. There's no sickness in there. There's no stress. I want to get in there. It's like your life is a Corona commercial. In there. Okay. Verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these nine things. Though you know them, and you're established in the present truth, yea, I think it is meet or right that as long as I'm in this body or tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Now, Let's run over the list. Look, this is getting long. I told Kimmy, this is really starting to get hard because I'm down to about the sixth thing in the ninth thing and I can't let go of the first five because we'll forget them. And don't be like, no, I won't. Yes, you will. Okay? Because I'll forget them. And I know if I will, I know you will. Okay? So look, remember this. The first one was diligence. Go to the next one. Remember, it's attentive and persistent in doing a thing. Steadily applied, active, unremitting, untiring, constancy of effort, speed and earnestness, meticulous, attention to detail. It's the opposite of being lazy and careless, lethargic, indifferent, and apathetic. And Jesus equated diligence with faithfulness. Then we saw in Luke 16.10, He that's faithful in that which is least will be faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in least will be unjust also in much. And I tell you what, I love this verse because what it tells me is that I can prioritized what I'm going to be faithful in. Because I can't be faithful and diligent in everything in life. Do you all know that? So what Jesus said, He said, you know what, so justify what you're going to be faithful in. If you can't justify that I'm being faithful or diligent in this area over top of this area, then just switch them. It's real easy. But, if you don't realize that, you'll start feeling guilty because hell will tell you, you're not being diligent in that, and you're not being diligent in this, and you're not being diligent in that. Now listen, your list of not being faithful in an area, that er- those areas should be a lot longer than the list of ones that you're being faithful and diligent in. Did, did you hear me? That the areas that you're diligent in, it should be a surgical strike, and that list should be pretty small. If you're going to give how much diligence, it said how much? All diligence. Maximum effort. So shrink this list that you're being diligent in down. And don't be feeling guilty if there's a whole list that you're not. Now, just make sure that you can justify with you in a room with Jesus, having coffee and a Snickers, you know, hey, and yeah, Jesus, I can justify being diligent in that or not. That would be your, your filter. Okay? Go to the next one. Beside, beside this, giving all diligence add to your faith. So the next one was faith. Go to the next one, Emily. And we saw this absolute certainty in the trustworthiness of another, and it should be God, that we should trust Him. And the opposite of that is disbelief, distrust, doubt, misgiving. If you're skeptical, if you're suspicious... Right? You're not sure. How many, have you ever been not sure that the promises are true? I have. Look, we're in church. We might as well not lie about it. <laughs> right? There have been plenty of times that my confidence level has been lacking in God, where are you at? Because He'll take you all the way down to the end. Right? And sometimes, look, as a parent, <laughs> I know with my kids sometimes, it's not that I'm just messing with them. It's that i got other things on my plate. And I know how, at what time I have to show up to make it right for them. 
We'll just take like the PTA check. When I get the little thing in the mail that says, or comes home from school, it says the PTA dues are due on a certain date, I'm not writing the check right then. You know when I'll write it? The day that it's due. Do you ever do that? See, I'm not dangling or messing with my kids, but I know it ain't due yet. So I'm not going to write them a check until it's due. So God treats us the same way. He's got a lot of stuff on His plate, doesn't He? More than just you. Don't worry. He'll make sure He's not going to leave you dangling. His Word is true. It, it, sometimes it don't happen as fast as I want it to. But, you know, how many kids are in the family? How far down am I on the list? Pretty far. Okay? So don't flatter yourself and think that you should be getting all the special attention, right? Because, you know, when it's your time to get it, don't you want His attention? When you need His attention, don't you want it? So you should know that everybody else would want that same thing, wouldn't they? And He's got a lot of pieces to move around on the board to line stuff up for you. And while He's lining stuff up for you, He's got to line stuff up for every ever one of His kids because they're all His favorite. You all following this? You getting this? You're looking at me like I'm like, no, that can't be right. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Listen, God has to move a lot of pieces on the board. We're not the only game He has going. We're not the only person that His Word has to work for. We're not the only person on the planet that His Word has to be true for. Do you all follow this? And we don't know what's going on in somebody. I don't know what's going on in India right now. I don't even know everything that's going on in your life. I'm not with you 24-7. Do you all follow this? So don't get all, oh my gosh, where are you? God, how come you haven't shown up already? He's moving a lot of pieces around planet Earth to get everybody riches, honor, and life. Okay? And you know what? There's resistance to that. Have you all, you all experienced that? There's resistance to that? Hell doesn't want you to get that? Okay. So listen, don't be unsure. Be absolutely positively sure that the Word's true and God's going to show up. It's like those guys in that deal today with the inspirational moment, right? They got to the top of the hill at Point de Hoc and the guns weren't there. How many know they kept going and they found the guns and accomplished their mission? And there was resistance going up to it, wasn't there? And then they got tricked. Don't stop. God's Word is true. Be sure of that. Okay, go to the next one. But without faith, without you knowing that God's Word is true and that God is true and He's not a liar, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him or crave Him. Now, remember, we're going to... Quick flashback. Ten spies were bad. Two spies were good. You all remember this? Okay. Now all the people are in front of Moses and the spies are telling them the bad report. And then in Numbers 13 and verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Do you notice God's not even mentioned in that verse? God said, That's your inheritance. Go get it. I've given it to you. And now that if we believe that, we add to our faith, we're well able, which is the next, go to the next one. And then the people said, the other spies said, we're not well able. So they didn't have the thing that Caleb had, which was, go to the next one, is virtue or valor that we need to add to our faith. It's not that we don't believe God can do it. It's that you don't believe that what God said you can do, you could do. Go to the next one. We saw that valor is courage, boldness, to be brave and fearless, especially in battle. The opposite is being a coward, you're being timid, you're being shy, and you're retreating. Do not retreat. Don't retreat. It's not an option. So take that one right off the board. You can't go backwards from where you are now, can you? All that we know now, do we really want to go back? No, I can't understand why those coops kept saying, let's go back to Egypt. They were beating you, and you were mushing in mud and straw and making bricks. Well, why would you want to go back to bondage? Okay, go to the next. We saw this in Joshua 14, that 45 years later, Caleb comes to Joshua. 45 years after he said, we're well able to do it. In verse 12, he said, Now therefore give me this mountain where the Lord spake in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakins or the giants were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. And if so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So again, the only part that God had in this is what he said, 
and then you deciding whether what he said was true or not. And if you believe, that's the faith part, that what he said is true, then you're able to go do what he said to do. You all follow that? But did you notice, he didn't jump into it blind that he had knowledge of what was going on. He had an intel report of where he was going. Go to the next one. So we need to add to our virtue or our valor, our boldness, knowledge. Don't go in anywhere blind. Go to the next one. We saw that knowledge is information, especially that gained through observation, identification, description, investigation, experience, or explanation. Those are all verbs. I know I'm going fast because we've got a lot to cover today. You've got to do something to get knowledge for yourself. Right? Go to the next one. Well, what, what is it? It's Exodus 36 and verse 1. Remember, uh, they were starting, uh, God gave Moses the plans for the tabernacle to start Judaism, and they didn't know how to do all this stuff and the carvings and the, all the, the, the metallurgy and the stitching stuff together. Okay, so... Here in Exodus 36 and verse 1, God called out two guys to, that, that he put in their hearts how to do it and how to teach others. You all remember that? So then, and then worked or wrought Bazalil and Ahilehad, these are these two guys, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary. So listen, these wise-hearted men and the first two guys that God called, God, did you see that he put in them the know-how. He gave them the knowledge to do the work. Did you see that? Okay, so go to verse 2. It said, And Moses called Basileel and Ohilohab, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord, in whose heart the Lord had put the wisdom. And then here's the qualifier. Even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come do the work. So if you want knowledge, the way you get it is have your heart stir you up to come do the work. Not stir you up to know how to do it. It's because a lot of people, they just want to know how stuff works. They don't actually want to do the work. That's why I watch Discovery Channel. Because I want to know how a lot of stuff works, but I don't want to go do You know, ever seen that show, Dirty Jobs? I don't want to do any of that work, do you? It's nice to know how, how you know, the sewers get cleaned and, you know, all that. It's nice to know how it, you know, it's, that's interesting. Hey, you know what? I'm not doing, my heart does not stir me up to do that work. So, if you want God to supernaturally show up and get you wisdom and understanding, skill and understanding and knowledge on how to do the stuff, then you need to have your heart stir you up to do the work. Whatever your heart, and I told you this before, stirs you up. Whatever your passion is, that's how God wired you, that's His plan for you. The way He built you and have passion to do a certain thing, and your heart stirs you up to do that, He'll show up and get you supernaturally knowledge and wisdom, skill, and understanding. And whether it's He just puts it on you, or He sends somebody to teach you. Or a combination of both. Okay? Go to the next one. But my people are destroyed, and we saw in Isaiah that they're also in bondage. This is Hosea 4, 6, if you're writing it down. Are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Why? Because they what? Rejected knowledge. It's not because you don't have it. If you don't have it, it's because you rejected it. Because knowledge, this gift from God, is available to every single person. Even in the Old Testament, they didn't even have Jesus. Right? It was available to anybody whose heart stirred them up to do the work. So if you don't have knowledge, it's probably because you haven't got up off the couch and your heart didn't stir you up to do nothing. I don't even want to read the second half of this verse to you. He said, what? Because I'll also reject you. And you'll be no priest to me. That sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? seeing that you've forgotten the law of your God, and now I will also forget your children. So if you don't want to get your heart stirred up and get off the couch for you, do it for your kids. Go to the next one. Besides uh, this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue or valor, and virtue and valor, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. Go to the next one. We saw that temperance is this, self-control, self-discipline, the ability to master yourself. Remember this from last week? Right? The ability to master yourself. And listen, the opposite of that is that you're easily distracted. I'll just pick out a couple. Easily distracted, you're half-hearted, you're self-indulgent, and you're uncontrolled and excessive. This is somebody who's not temperate or have discipline or rule over your own self. And when I said this last week, if you don't rule over yourself somebody else will be glad to step in and do it for you. Right? Go to the next one. We saw this in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. I'm reading out of the Amplified just to save time. It says, Do you not know, Paul said, that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? Duh, we know that, Paul. Don't we know that? Okay. 
So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. So it sounds like he says, get serious about this. Doesn't it? If you're, he's telling you, you be the one that gets the prize, don't you have to be serious about it? Okay, go to the next one. Now, every athlete that goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. Is that true? Every, or let's think about the Olympics. They're coming up. Is there any Olympic athlete that doesn't have a training program? And then don't you think that when he gets that training, usually he doesn't make his own training program out. It's usually a coach gives it to him, right? But it's up to him to make sure, or her, to make sure that they conduct themselves with self-control and they restrict all the stuff that they do to make sure that they stay on the, with the training, right? He says they do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal or perpetual blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, he says, I don't run uncertainly without a definite aim. This is what most Christians do. They run uncertainly. If they do run at all, they have no training plan and they don't stick to it. They're just running around without a goal, without a name. And he says, and I don't box like one beat in the air and striking without an adversary. What he says, is, I don't box without a sparring partner. I don't train without a training partner. I don't go out there without somebody to keep me on the plan, with me. You see, that's what, he said, that's what he's talking about. So get you a training partner to help you stay with the plan. Go to the next one. But, like a boxer, I buffet my body and I handle it roughly. I discipline it by what? Hardships. What he's saying is, listen, I'll make my training twice as hard as what the real deal is. That way I know I'm prepared for it. He said, and I subdue it for fear that after proclaiming the gospel to others and the things pertaining to it, what are the things that pertain to the gospel? Riches, honor, and life. Doesn't that what the good news really... If you wrap up the entire good news that Jesus came, and you, it's really that you could be rich, that you don't have to be sick, that you'd be in a position of honor. Isn't that what it is? He says, if I preach that to others, and I didn't train myself, he said, I'm afraid that when I get in the fight, I myself should become unfit and not stand the test and be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. So, we want to train ourselves. You're right, remember? Now, I want to um, come over here to Isaiah 50 real quick. We saw this scripture last week, but it's a good transition. Have you noticed how each one of these things builds on the next one? <coughs> Diligence to faith. Faith to valor. Valor to knowledge. Knowledge to temperance. Right? Have you noticed that? That each one builds that you can't start real... I mean, if you don't have the foundation, the next one builds and connects to the next one. Haven't I showed that? That's why I keep going over them, so, I can, so you can see that there's a line that goes straight on down. Now look here in Isaiah 50 and verse 4. We saw last week that this was talking about Jesus, and that we said this, that if we want to have the life of Jesus, that we should do the same thing that Jesus did to get the results that He got. Wouldn't you think that's right? Okay. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to myself when I'm fatigued. I'm not going to go over how we got to that, but you get the tape for last week. I stir myself up morning by morning. I stir up mine own ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I will not be rebellious, neither will I turn away back. I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Now he says what he says to himself morning by morning when he's weary. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. I won't be confused. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed, disappointed, or delayed. So here's where there's not, here's the transition. Here's what we're we're buffeting our body, we discipline ourselves, and then morning by morning, I get up and I tell myself, I stir myself up. And then when I'm tired, I tell myself this, that my God will help me, that I will not be confused, and that I'm going to set my face like flint. I mean, flint's pretty hard, isn't it? Even if you're striking something against it, all it does is do what? Spark. Did you see this? So listen, what we're going to talk about today, this is, if you did all these things, and listen, you did your diligence. You believe in God. You believe in His ability, right? Now we're, we're up off the couch. We've got boldness. We added to our boldness knowledge. We're not going in anywhere blind. We've been training ourselves. We're self-disciplined. We've buffeted ourselves. 
Now here's where the rubber meets the road. And I'm going to tell you, today is where you're going to find out that separates the winners from the losers. The winners from the losers. You can make it all the way to this point and still lose. you understand that? You could have faith and not win. You could have diligence and not be rich or have honor. Be healed, couldn't you? You could have boldness and still die. You could have all the knowledge in the world and still not pull it off. You could be self-disciplined and be the most rigid, regimented guy with the high and tight, right, no body fat, cause you're, and still not be rich. Couldn't you? Military's full of those guys. Winners from losers is today. This is the thing. If you can't get this one, you're going to lose. And you'll lose every single time. And boy, you wouldn't want to lose at this point, would you? We've got a lot of stuff already put into this, don't we? I mean, diligence and faith. I mean, there's a lot went into that. I'd hate to put all that into that and still come up short of riches, honor, and life. Wouldn't you? Okay, go to the next one. In 2 John, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. This was the verse that we had up there at the uh, end of the inspirational moment, verse 8. It says, Look to yourselves and take care or take heed that you may not lose or throw away or destroy all that we and you have labored for. If you've done all these, there's really five things up to this point of the nine. That's more than half, isn't it? We've done all this work. He said, listen, take heed to yourselves that you don't lose it. If you've done all this, you don't want to lose it, do you? I don't. i got too much invested in it at this point. See, that's what you got to say. We've been beyond the point of no return here. i got too much invested into this covenant for it not to work. That's what he's saying. Take heed to yourself that we don't do that. He said, but, here's what we want to do, but that you may persevere until what? You win, and you receive back a perfect reward in full. Perfect reward. I don't want nothing dinged up. I don't want anything used. Right? And I want all of it. This is the Bible. Sounds kind of greedy, doesn't it? No. He said, well, it does sound greedy to your religious mind. This is the Bible. God's Word to you. He said, don't throw away everything you've worked for but stick with it until you win so that you can get the whole thing and it would be a good one. Reward. He uses the word reward. Right? Yeah. Okay, go to the next one. Besides this, in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue or valor, and virtue or valor knowledge, and knowledge temperance, and temperance, oh, patience. This is the difference between winning and losing. Patience. Now listen, in our religious mind or our, in our culture and our society, patience means an entirely different thing than it meant when they wrote it in the Bible. Patience just means that you sit around on your hands and trying to, you know, not complain while you're just waiting, right? Isn't that how you've been taught? Patience just means we just suck it up, just deal with it. Isn't that kind of what you've been taught with patience? Well, I, you know, I, I, I've said these before, but I'll say it again. Since we kind of, when, here's my first experience with patience was when my dad was taking his belt off and whooping my tail end going, you're trying my patience. You ever heard your parents say that? You're trying my patience. Well, I guess your patience lost because my butt's losing too. <laughs> right? And then when I was little, I said, me and my kid brother, it was back in the early 70s before you know, we had a microwave anyway. If they did have one, it was like the size of, you know, this basement. So you had to cook cocoa. We'd come in on a cold winter morning. We want hot chocolate. So you'd have to cook it in the saucepan slow. And you have to cook it on low so the milk doesn't curdle. And we'd be asking mom, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Will you two be patient? Right? What's that mean? It means shut your hole. It's coming. Just stand there, basically, and don't bother me. That's not what God, that's not what this is talking That's not the difference between winning and losing. How would that be the key to winning? Go stand in a corner and just shut up. You'll lose doing that. You'll lose doing what, what our concept in America 2007 patience is, you'll still lose. And this is what Christianity has swallowed hook, line, and singer, sinker. Well, you know, you need to be content with what you have. A- have you heard that? And then we spin it like, just go stand in the corner and be quiet. When you get to heaven, you'll get yours. Be patient. You know, if God didn't heal you yet, just be patient. 
No, you know what? Jesus already paid for it. It's a done deal. Being patient is not standing around waiting. Well, what is it, Andrew? I'm glad you asked. Go to the next one. Patience is the quality in your life and in your character that refuses to give up. It means that you are unmovable. Set my face like flint. So if you strike it, all it will do is spark. It's established. It's the quality that keeps you rooted and grounded. If you say the Ephesians prayer, you've heard those words. And settled. The opposite of this is somebody who vacillates. That's a big word for waver, so I put that next. Somebody who's unstable, uh oh, insecure. You're easily unsettled. You have the ability to become unnerved, confused, bewildered, flustered, and all of these things will cause you to draw back. This is the difference between winning and losing. Because you did all this work all the way up to this point and you don't want to be the one drawing back because you can't go back. We just said that. We don't want to go back, right? There's nothing back there for us. We've already been there. There ain't no riches on our life back there. If there was, I would have stayed there. Wouldn't have you? Go to the next one. Hebrews 6 and verse 11 says this. Now watch, this is Paul talking to the Hebrews. He says, and we desire, in verse 11, that every one of you do show the same what? Diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Be not slothful. Now remember, Peter started out his list with diligence. And then he said the next one was faith. right? And then he talked about valor, knowledge, and temperance before he got to patience. Paul leaves out those middle three because if he says, don't be slothful, be followers of them who through faith and patience. He skipped over those middle three because he assumed he's talking to Hebrews. That these people brought up in the Jewish tradition would know that mighty men of valor were the ones that went into the promised land and the sissies didn't. It's part of your natural, national history. So he don't need to tell them that. They already know it. And then the next thing was knowledge. He assumes that these guys have read Proverbs and they know that the beginning of the, wisdom, of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? And that fools despise instruction. The Gentiles would know that. But, but Hebrews, you should know that. So he leaves that one in your automatic. And then temperance, they know, he's there. Hebrews got to know that the, right, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And that the rod of correction was to drive foolishness from the heart of the child. And fools, right, despise or reject instruction. He said, so, and that, the reason that you do that is so that when the child gets older, they'll be disciplined enough to do it themselves. That Hebrews should know all that. So he left that out of the list. So, let's read, he says, but be not uh, slothful, but followers of them who through faith and what? Patience, the quality that refuses to give up, they do inherit and obtain possession of, that's what inherit means, the promises. So the difference between winning and losing is this last word, patience, in that list. Because I'm going to assume that all the way up to this point you've already been diligent, right? You, don't, you can't get to faith until you're diligent. And I know that it's not that you don't believe God, because we all believe God or we wouldn't still be in part of the covenant. You wouldn't, believe, you wouldn't be part of this deal. You, you wouldn't. We wouldn't waste our time if we didn't believe it. And a lot of, I mean, and like I said, those, those spies, they didn't say God's not able to do it. They said we're not able to do it. The difference between you obtaining possession of, because you know the promises are already yours. We just read that in 2 Peter, right? They're already yours. And they come through knowledge. Getting them. Right? But you have knowledge, and if you still don't have them in your hand, well, what is it? It's patience. You, have, you cannot 
give up. You've got too much work put into this thing now so that, you know what, I'm going and I'm getting my reward in full. I'm getting the perfect one, not the dinged up one, because i got too much time invested into this. Y'all you following that? All right, go to the next. Now over in Romans 5, we're going to take a, just a little bit of different tack, but I want to see, because there's so much to be said about refusing to give up that I, I'm not going to be able to get it all in today, so we'll just start laying the foundation for it, all right? Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, hope in the Greek is confident expectation or confidence. It doesn't mean that in today's society. If you say, I'm hoping for something, it means you have no confidence, right? And don't add praying on the end of that because you know it's going south. I'm hoping and a praying, it's over, right? Okay? But look, now I've highlighted hope and peace because I want you to understand it. Peace, here's our working definition. We know it's the seven things, but here's how you really have peace is if you know the end result before you start. Wouldn't that give you peace? If you knew you were going to get 100 on the test, kids, would you not worry about it? We wouldn't even study, would you? If you knew the end result, you'd go to sleep good, wouldn't you? Play PlayStation. Have a, that's peace. If you know the end result is, at the end I get 100, then you don't have to stress over it. Which brings peace. right? So we'll use that as our working definition. So, But I want you to know that peace, have, knowing the end result and going to sleep at night before the big game or whatever it is, before the big test or before your job inter- interview or before your job evaluation or whatever it is, that level of peace that you have directly coincides with the level of confidence that you have. If you have low confidence, you're going to have low peace. If you've got high confidence, you're going to have a high level of peace. Is anybody worried about getting home today on the drive home? You all know how to get there, right? You're all confident that you could get your car there and your bodies, right? So you're not worried about it, right? So you high confidence, high peace, right? You all following that? Okay, go to the next. Now, I want to jump to verse 5, because Paul sometimes does that. He's a lawyer. He'll give you the punchline first, so you have to go to the bottom and then work your way back up. So I'm going to go to 5, and then we'll go look at those other verses. Verse 5 says this, And hope or confidence, right, this is your level of confidence, it makes not ashamed. So what he's saying is if your level of confidence will produce your level of shame in your life. If you have no confidence, you're going to be ashamed a lot. And ashamed means, right, that you've lost. Wouldn't we say it's a shame if you lost? If you have a high level of confidence, you're going to also have a high level of victory in life. Do you see that? Because confidence makes you not be what? Ashamed. So if anything bad happened in your life off the evil list, most people would say that's a shame. But this is telling me right here, this one little phrase, boy, God's pifty, isn't he? He get a lot packed into a few words. That if you got confidence... You will not be ashamed. So if you don't have confidence, you're going to be ashamed. Now watch, I watch this in people's life. Because when it hits the fan, crisis comes, if you're not confident, you're what? Oh, what's going to happen? Knees are knocking. You start down the fear list, and you're listing off all the bad stuff that could happen in the worst case scenario, right? And then you find yourself right with Job that the thing that you feared most came upon you. Right? Why? Because you don't have any confidence. So look, he said, you have this confidence, how? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Now, go to the next one. We're going to back up to verse 3 and verse 4 because what he does is tell us how to get to confidence. Here's how we get to where we have a level of confidence which I know brings victory. It means that I win. Right? He said, and not only so but we glory in tribulations. What? What do you mean we glory in tribulations? Anybody, do you guys get like a kick? And really it's the Greek word I brag about tribulations. Anybody having a good time when you're in the middle of the trial? No. So it's not why you're in the middle of the trial, but what he's saying is that I'm going to brag about, right, and what I call it in the Marine Corps, war stories, right? Or, you know, like with my mom and dad, I never tell them that the cable's out. Because back in my day, we didn't have cable. Right, right? And we had to walk to school uphill both ways, yada, 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 down the... You know, you know what I'm saying, right? We didn't have heat. We had the wood stove. We had to chop the wood and bring it, you know. 
couldn't get your cocoa that fast, you know, right? What are they doing is glorying in their tribulations, right? Especially somebody that's been through the Depression or World War II. Don't whine about whatever your little issue is. My 401k didn't get rolled over. You know, they don't care. We're talking about guys that went up against, right, climbing rocks to get the guns and getting shot at. They don't care. But they're going to tell you about their stuff. Glory and tribulation. So not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation, trials, testing, the fight, works patience, and patience works experience, and experience brings hope or your level of confidence. Here's the process that will bring you confidence and victory. you got tribulation or the trial and the fight. That one comes along, right? So then what we do is we add to that. Here comes the fight. I refuse to give up. He said, tribulation will work patience. I refuse to give up. If you're not working your patience, that means you packed it up, put it in a suitcase, and went home. That means you have given up. Right? Okay? So, here comes the fight. Now, I refuse to give up. I'll be unmovable. I'll set my face like flint. And that will bring experience. Now, when he talks about experience, he's talking about the ones that are good experiences. The bad experiences, you remembering them will not help you any. But what you want to do is once you get a victory under your belt, you want to put that one, a notch on whatever, your bedpost. And so set up something, because the children of Israel did this. They put monuments everywhere so that they could remember victories. So when you're in the next fight, that you could look at all your notches on your bedpost of all the other victories or experiences that you've had by not giving up. Am I going too fast? If there was a time in your life that you were in a trial and you failed and you lost, it is because you, you gave up. And let's just take an honest assessment. Oh, no, it isn't. You know what? Then God's a liar and you're not. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's all worship you. Never mind. But listen, forget that one. If you lost, wipe it out. Football fans, right? What do they say about the cornerback? If you know you made a bad play, you've got to forget it because on the next one you've got to cover your receiver again. And if you're worrying about what you did last play, they just snapped the ball and now you blew it again. You've got to have a very short memory. You've got to forget it. If you didn't win, wipe it out. It doesn't exist anymore. God don't remember it. So, but if you got a good one and you did win, hey, you want to put that, write that one down, set up yourself a monument, put it on the I love me wall, notch on your bedpost, wherever you want to put it. But you've got to remember. Why? Because that's what helps you with your confidence level. Let's get practical. If you fail, and then you failed again, and you failed again, and that's queued up again, and all you remember is that you failed the last three times that you've been in this spot, what's your level of confidence going to be? Yeah, the only thing you'll be confident is that you're going to fail again. You'll be absolutely positively sure that this one ain't going to work either. You'll find that? So in order to bring confidence... I'm looking for the next fight. You are? Yeah, can't you tell? You know I am. Why? Because I'm looking for the next one where I could win. And you know what? I like the little easy ones first. That's, that's nice, little easy ones. But how many know that only brings my confidence level up so high? You need to start getting some good ones. Now, remember with David, he said, I, I fought the lion and I beat that and I fought the bear and I beat that and so I'm going to go get Goliath. How many know after Goliath, that's a pretty good one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the giant. Lions and bears ain't nothing. Right? You want to get a good one under your belt. And then once you get that, that's what I call you get ruined. Because then, I mean, you turn into like Pete Rose. Where you think you can't lose. Or Michael Jordan. Any of those guys that were at the top of their game. Tiger Woods. All of them. I mean, no, he's not... Any of those guys are not afraid to get out on the field and get in the game. I would bet not being inside their head, but looking back on their careers, that every one of them couldn't wait to get back on the field and get in the game. Wouldn't you say that that's true? Why? Because when they got on the field and they got in the game, those are the things that brought them riches and honor. Don't we honor those guys? We honor Tiger Wood. We honor Michael Jordan. Did Jeff Gordon? Not really. Now the junior's coming to Hendricks and says, over for you, Jeff. But... Yeah, see what I'm saying? The guys at the top of their game all say Dale Earnhardt Sr. because we honor him. Even though when he was alive, we didn't that much. There was a lot of people that didn't like him because he was called the Intimidator. But any of these guys that get on the field 
right? And they do good, and their confidence level's high because victory begets victory. Winning begets winning, right? Same thing on, in sales. You know, if you can't, if you, every time you go out to do sales, this is why I didn't do good in sales, because every time I tried to sell insurance, all kind of stuff, I never closed one. So, I mean, you know, the next one you get to, you, you're like, oh, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. Well, I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place, but it's on my Fletch resume. But I can talk to you about it, because if your confidence level's low, you automatically set yourself up for failure. You, you do. Isn't that what happened to the ten spies? They had no confidence. We be not able. What? How do you get to that point? You know, they saw the same miracles, like the Red Sea. They got the same manna. They were eating the same chow. They were drinking the same water. They had the same cloud. They had the same pillar of fire as Joshua and Caleb. They got all that way. They didn't say they didn't believe God couldn't do it, so they had to have faith. They went in the first time to spy, so I know they're not that scared to go on a covert mission. Right? You wouldn't send scaredy cat. They wouldn't go, would they? No. So I know that they do have some kind of virtue or valor to, to go on the covert mission. They gained knowledge of the place. They were leaders in their tribe, so I know they weren't goof-offs. So they had to have some kind of self-discipline to be on a covert mission. How I many know you've got to have some self-discipline? There's no, it's not like somebody's breathing down. I mean, they all split up. Go, free, you're operating independently. So they had to have temperance too. When it came back crunch time, they didn't win because they, they gave up. They had no confidence in themselves. Why, why were they not recalling the same victories that Joshua and Caleb were recalling? They went through them all. But because they didn't, their confidence level was down and they gave up. Listen, if you're not confident that God's Word is true, you will give up. You'll be like, this don't work. You ever, you ever said that? Throw your hands up and go, wow, it didn't work. This faith stuff ain't all it's cracked up to be. It hadn't been the way it was taught to you. When you get in the Word, you find out what it is. Go to the next one. Write this one down. Remember, because whenever you see patience, you've got to know that it's the quality that absolutely, positively refuses to give up. I don't say uncle, Right? This separates the winners from the losers. This separates the people who get riches on our life to the people who just talk about it. Because the people that don't talk about it, they haven't got to this point. <laughs> they didn't even get on the horse. They don't even, you know, it's just easier for them to just pretend it don't exist. I like my religious Jesus better. Where I could be poor and sick and dumb. And let the world trample all over me. Go to the next one. Now, I made the statement that you could have faith and still lose, and everybody agreed with, but I want to show you in the Bible where Jesus says that there's people that have faith and that they will still lose and why they lost. Okay? Luke 8 and verse 12. This is the parable of the sower. He says, Those that are by the wayside are they that hear, they hear the word, then the devil came and took away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe. And the Greek word is the same for believe in faith. They should have faith and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Woohoo! Hallelujah! Oh, that's so good. You know, I know a lot of those people, it makes it easier for me to preach, but they're in this category, it's hard on Monday for me because I get the phone call. And these are they that have no root, which for a while believe or have faith, but in the time of temptation, or the Greek word is tribulation, they fall away. Now remember, patience was the quality that refused to get, but it was also somebody who was unmovable, that was rooted and grounded and settled. Right? Here's somebody that they believed when they heard the word, oh, that's so good, but because... They didn't have the quality that refuses to give up. They did not root themselves down. They give up at the time of trial. They fall away. Now think about a plant, because he's talking about a, you know, a plant here. 
What is the root system for? What do the roots do for a plant? They get what? Water and food right through their roots. The root on a plant is a plant's ability to feed and water itself. If you're not feeding and watering yourself, you will not be rooted, grounded, and settled, and you will fall away in time of trial or temptation or tribulation. As temptation, you think of chocolate cake and strippers. No, it's tr- tribulation. Just throwing it out there. It's the truth. That's not what it's talking about. Look, if you're, if you're thinking about that, you've already fallen away. All right? So look, if you're not feeding and watering yourself, you're not going to be in the position of when the fight comes, you're not going to fail. Because guess what? I can't be there all the time for you and neither can anybody else. Right? i got enough problems being here all the time for me. So what I want to say, that even Jesus said that you could have faith and you could believe, but if you're not rooted and grounded, if you're not in a position where you've put yourself so that you're unmovable, that you refuse to give up, he said you're going to do what? Fall away. You're going down. Now, I mean, the Word of God is true, isn't it? So if you don't root yourself, you're going to fall. It's impossible for you to succeed. Otherwise, Jesus is a liar. So we've got to take the good with the bad. And really, this is good if you'll do the thing like water yourself and feed yourself and root yourself and establish yourself. If you're just doing like the Sunday to Sunday thing, you're just going to be frustrated, okay? According to this, what Jesus said, you're going to fall. It's going to happen. If you're not doing anything for yourself, it's going to fall. All right, so somebody doesn't have a root. Go to the next one. James 1. Now, this is Jesus' brother. Well, his half-brother, right? Verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or diverse temptations or tribulations. It's the same word. Count it all joy when you fall into all different kinds of tests and trials. <laughs> what are you, nuts, dude? I mean, come on. But that's the same thing that Paul said. Glory, I glory in tribulations, right? He said, but knowing this. Why? Because the trying of your faith works patience. The trying of your faith, you being in the middle of a fight, is going to work out your ability to refuse to give up. If you're never in a fight, you know, it's like that bully, right? Always bullying somebody, so no one ever, and somebody finally clocks him one, he runs away. Why? Because he ain't never been in a fight. He's just intimidating. Right? So it's always the quiet ones you've got to look out for, right? Because they're the ones that will just stab you and never tell you about it. He said, look, if you're not in a fight, your faith never getting tried, then you will give up. So, and I've said this before, and people are like, no, don't confess that over me. When bad news comes, get happy. When a fight comes, you should be like, yeah, this is good. Start rolling up the sleeves. and put, You should be like Hoss, right? On, on uh, Bonanza. I mean, a Hoss never backed down from a fight, did he? No, he was always glad to get in one. He was. Why? Because you know Hoss is big. He's going to win. And if he doesn't win, he's going to put some hurting on somebody before he loses, if he does. So when bad news comes, when a fight gets queued up for you, you should get pretty happy. You should be like, good, I've been waiting around. Because you know what? Now it's time to take what you did in training, right? And have the knowledge that you've got and use that valor and that faith that you know what God said is true and all that diligence and all that time that you spend into this, good, because now it's time to get some results. Because if they're in a fight, then I'm not going to get riches, honor, and life. If there's no contest... Because God ain't going to just drop it on you. And I know he's not a thief, so I can't steal it either. That the only way that I'm going to get it is if there's a fight. Because somebody ain't just going to give it to me. Have you noticed that? That the wicked, whose wealth is laid up in store for you, they ain't just going to open their wallet and give it to you. Has anybody noticed that? I know a lot of wicked folks have got fat wallets. They haven't opened them up and said, Andrew, take whatever you want. They didn't offer it. So in order to get it, there's got to be some kind of contest. There's got to be a battle. Every time that the nation of Israel got wealth, it was because a nation that was bigger than them and had more wealth of them came and tried to squish them and conquer them. And then they kicked in with covenant and took all their stuff. So you should be really, because that's why it says count it all joy. 
He's not just a kook sack. He's like, listen, because that's where you get the reward. If there ain't a fight, listen, if there was never any basketball games and there was never any championship games, would Michael Jordan still be hocking Haynes underwear right now? No. Think about it. If he never got on the court and he never, right? Would he be hocking Haynes underwear right now? Look, he's not doing it because he's so good looking. There's plenty of supermodels out there that can model Haynes underwear, right? Are you following this? Look at the residual reward he's getting. How long has he been retired? And he's still getting reward from fights that he did a long time ago that he enjoyed. George Foreman. When was the last time that guy won a fight? He's got five Georges and a great grill. Winning reward from fights a long time ago. Get happy when the fight comes. Because you'd be like, you know what? I'm fixed payday. But let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire wanting how much? Well, how much did you want? If, you, if I'm at a point where I want nothing, that means i got a whole lot of stuff. What's the difference? How do I get to wanting nothing? By letting what have a perfect work? Patience. Having the quality that refuses to give up. I'm unmovable. I set my face like flint. I'm not coming off it. I'm not retreating. Oh, and what's the other option? No what? Surrender. No retreat. No surrender. Now, I've talked a lot in the past about the warrior culture. If you don't have that mindset going into this thing that we don't retreat and we don't surrender... And you'll cut and run and then you don't get payday, okay? There's really only one option. Win! In any battle that you get in, we go into the fight, get happy, because there's only one option for you. If you're not going to retreat, you're not going to surrender, and you have the Zoe life of God on you, so you know you're not going to lose, because that's not an option. So There's only one option left. Win! If you don't have that mindset that there's only one option for me, right? Only one option, no highway option, right? Win, no highway option. Go to the next. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids them not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in what? Faith, right? So that we believe that we're getting the wisdom. If you don't believe that he's going to give it to you, then don't even ask him. But then look at the next thing. Nothing what? Wavering. Nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. This word wavering, it is the Greek word doubting. And remember when it said that Abraham didn't stagger at the promises? Which we know he did originally. It's the same word staggering. Let him ask in faith, nothing doubting, nothing wavering, not staggering. For he that wavers, he that staggers, he that doubts, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. This is somebody that does not have an anchor. Do you see that? Jesus said, if you don't have a root, you're going to fail. And Jesus' brother James said, if you don't have an anchor, you're going to fail. Unmovable, grounded, settled. I refuse to give up. My mom used to say, I'm gritting my teeth. That meant we were going to get it. But if you're in the middle, grit your teeth. If that's what you've got to do, I'm not, you know what? Game face, we're not, we're not moving. He said, for let the man that staggers or wavers, let, not, let that man not think that he'll receive how much from the Lord? Anything. Anything. So listen, if you don't have a root, if you don't have an anchor, how much are you going to get? Zip. Nada. Zilch. This is the difference between winning and losing. This is the difference between getting riches on in life and those that just talk about it. This is a very small group of people that actually win. And I'm not, we've been talking about riches and, and wealth. This is the same thing with health and healing. <laughs> you know, it don't really matter what you're facing in your body. I don't care if it's cancer, AIDS, 
the plague, or that new staph infection. It doesn't matter what it is. What's your options? Win! We beat it. That's the only option. If you're in covenant, there's only one option for no matter what comes against you in your body because I have the Zoe life of God on the inside of me. This is If you don't have that attitude, you're in the might not category. No, I win every time. I don't care how ugly it looks. I don't care how beat up I get. I will not disengage from the fight until I win. You're a jerk, Andrew. Yup, and I'm a winning jerk. This, this, this serious. This is rubber meets the road. Difference between winning and losing. You could be nice all you want and lose. This covenant ain't about being nice. My Lord, how could you look in it and see all the violence and all the garbage that, you know, that God's been fighting? The evil and the adversity and the affliction. And He says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the vi- violence and the violent take it by force. It ain't going to be handed to you. If you want what's in the kingdom, right, the eternal kingdom, the perpetual kingdom, remember these nine things open up that entrance to us? To get in that, if you want it, you've got to take it by force. Because hell's going to try and keep you out of it. Go to the next one. This is a verse, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. We've used this in uh, the Conscience series. But this is, I mean, it's like four phrases and we could preach on this forever. But I love it because it says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men or act like a man. I put in parentheses cowboy up. Because quit being a sissy crybaby. Right? And be strong. Be strong. Now, this is a good verse to write down and stick it on your mirror, on your dashboard or whatever. Stand fast in the faith and act like a man. Be strong. Does that sound like you're being nice? No, it sounds like, what's my only option? Win. Now, I put down here, this is really what patience is. I've given you the definition, but I'm going to tell you, this is how I look at it. Patience in real life, real time, is finding a way to stay in the fight long enough for God to show up and get me the win. Patience is that you've got to find a way to stay in the fight long enough for God to show up and get me the victory. And you know what? If the only option is win, and I know God's Word is true and He's coming, and it's only a matter of I refuse to give up and stay in the fight long enough till the cavalry arrives, does it really matter what you do to stay in the fight? Does it have to be pretty? It don't have to be pretty. But staying in the fight usually isn't comfortable. It hurts. But if you know you're going to win, then you just keep slugging it out. When we started this church two and a half years ago, we'd be going all this time without an income. How do you do that, Andrew? We go into debt. Just I'm telling you, okay? Now, it violates my conscience. I told you, it used to violate my conscience using the credit card to buy groceries. I'd be like, nah, that's wrong, that's wrong. You know, so I'm wrestling with it because I know God told us to do this. And I know that everything hasn't showed up yet to, you know, so we get a paycheck. But I know He told me to do it. And I know this. That I, well, so what I've got to do is find a way to stay in the fight long enough till He shows up. So you know what that debt, that debt, yeah, it's ugly, and yeah, I might not like it, but me being able to do that, and that's where it says in Proverbs that a good name is better than riches, which is great because I have good credit. That's the only way I can keep getting debt without a paycheck. You know, that's, that's, that's crazy, right? But I keep doing it. But why? Because all I'm doing is finding a way to stay in the fight long enough until we get victory. And if I can do it, I know you can do it. Whatever your fight is. Your fight ain't going to be the same as my fight because you don't have the same job that I got. You don't have the same assignment. I don't want to say job like an employment, but it's an assignment, okay? This isn't a job. This is my assignment. It's what God's told me to do. Yours will be different. But whatever it is, if it's health, 
You've got to find a way to stay in the fight longer. That's why I will never tell anybody not to go to the doctor. I'll never tell anybody don't take drugs, you know, whatever they prescribe. I won't tell them to... No, you do what you've got to do to stay in the fight long enough for God to show up and win. I don't care what it is. People are like, well, my faith ain't there. I don't care. As long as you can stay in the fight long enough, we can get it there. If you've got to go to the doctor, go! Whatever you've got to do to stay alive, to keep yourself in the fight. It, you know, what, what, financial, same thing. Whatever you've got to do to stay in the fight, stay in the fight long enough. Find a way. Is it ugly? Yeah. Does it hurt? Yeah. Is it pretty? No. Is it comfortable? No. Don't disengage because you only have one option. If you go down this path, what's the option? Win, no matter how ugly, no matter how painful, right? And I don't really care what anybody else thinks about it, to be honest with you. You shouldn't either. It's your fight. It's your life. It's yours, Zoe. It's yours. Who cares what they think? They can go get their own. And let me tell you something, their fight's going to be just as ugly and painful as yours was. Because hell does not want you to have it. They will hell. And listen, hell's scared right now. Because if you flip the switch and decide that you refuse to give up, they are freaking out. If you really have that mindset and you set your face like Flint, there's only one option is win. They're like, oh, crap. And other words, worse, because I'm sure they can cuss in hell without getting in trouble. <laughs> right? There's a whole string of them. Yeah, think about that. I mean, it's, it's funny. So in the fight, good. I'm making hell mad. The longer I stay in the fight, they're like, we just can't get rid of this guy. You know? He's like everywhere. I, 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 good. You're not getting. You can't. You know that's what you, hell. You can't get rid of me. I'm getting. I'm getting what belongs to me. There's only one option for me. Win. Amen. Win. Amen. We are way late. Listen. Now that I've told you what it is, next week I'm going to talk about how do we get it. Because if you don't know how to get to that point, it's really, you know, great, Andrew. Whatever. That's nice. Right. I'm just telling you, you know, you need something. Hey, don't tell me I need something. Give it to me. Uh, right? You know, somebody tells me, you know, you really need to get your, you know, you need to get your house pressure washed or whatever. Well, why don't you bring your pressure washer over and get on it? <laughs> you see what I, I mean, don't you just, I mean, you know, you really need to get your flower bed weeded. It's sitting right there. It's open if you want to get in it. Don't tell me what I need. Right? Do you like that? Do you like telling people what they need? Do, I mean, people telling you what you need. You know what you need. What you need is help getting it. Otherwise, you wouldn't need it. I mean, I'm not being silly. I'm serious. If you didn't need it, you would already have it. Telling me that I need something is not helping me. It says that in James. It says, you know what? If somebody needs something and you tell them, you know, hey, you need that, be warm, be filled, hey, have a nice day, you know, you need clothes, you should get on that. And then you don't give it to them? He says, you know what? Your faith's dead. We don't, you know, if I, if I know I need it. Don't bring it up unless you've got a solution to the problem. So that's why I'm not bringing this up without a solution to the problem, but you've got to come back next week because I'm out of time and it's getting late. So I'll give you the solution to the problem next week. All right, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Seal it in our hearts. I thank you for your goodness. Father, we do set our faces like flint. We're going to get riches on in life, and we do acknowledge there's one option for us, win. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.